Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So we're going to give this another shot. <laughs> we got the technical difficulties out of the way. Like I was saying earlier, I want to bring some guests onto the show, some experts that can give you insights into potentially investing in Argentina. We know what happened with the election. So this begs the question, are they going to go through an economic boom? Are they going to go through an economic bust? Could this be an investment opportunity of a lifetime? And the guy that is the best in this space that not only has a lot of experience managing money and making a lot of money, but also has a lot of experience with Argentina. So Chris McIntosh, welcome to the show, buddy. I first want you to kind of give us the backstory on when you started investing in Argentina and why, and then you can tell us your thoughts on the election and kind of what might play out in the future. Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me back, George. Argentina has been interesting. You know, we got twenty. We got involved in October of twenty twenty one. This was before um, Millet got was was on the in the cards. Really, no one, nobody was really paying too much attention to a looming election that was some years out. Um, what what we there were two reasons why we got involved. Right, one was I think just more domestically based. You have or had valuations that were really, really attractive. Right. Um, that, you know, it's it's like my friend Cuppy likes to say, sometimes you can make the biggest amount of money when a place goes from shitty to not so shitty as opposed to anything amazing, right? I, I always say that. I always, In fact, what I used to say, Chris, I used to say, and I, I learned this from Jim Rogers. He had another way to say it. But I remember uh, I, I used to say something like, uh, you make the most money when stuff goes from horrible to bad. It where most people think you make the most money when things go from uh, good to great. Yeah, always make more money when things go from horrible to bad. Well, I think there's two inflection points. Like you, when you when you have that that horrible to not so horrible situation, that and then your tail end, which is your hyper when 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 things are just going nutty. Then the dot coms. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where, and and you just get we look we saw it in crypto. You've seen it in many markets, and you said it's a blow off top. You're um, that bubble. And then, but that side, your risk your risk equation is completely different to um, like for example where we got invested, um, because your risk is relatively low. Again, we were looking at valuation return, you know, two three times um, PEs, wow. and then also uh, yeah, where you go. Okay, how much worse can it get? I guess it can go to one, like you know, so you lose half your money. But it's this it's not like the dot coms where you've got these valuations which are, I don't know, 120 times earnings or something. Um, and it can easily lose eighty percent of its value and still be really ridiculously stupidly expensive. Right. You know, so um, so so we had we had that taking place. But then look, Argentina's been cheap for a long time. But what we we started seeing something in the charts, which, and we're not particularly chartists, but over time you gain almost like I guess um, an instinct for for seeing. Look, we're pattern we're pattern recognizing animals as human beings, and so we started seeing some that something was looked like it was potentially taking place. That combined with the fact we had valuations which were ex- at extremely um, low valuations led us into that market. The other thing that um, was kind of interesting at the time, you remember we had, we had Brazilian um, elections and we, the, the Brazilian elections were kind of spicy, right? 
Um, you had it wasn't it wasn't just a typical election. There were people in the streets. There was a bit of violence. There was um, uh, um, yeah. There, there, it was it was a, a somewhat of a different um, election, if you will. Now, if you're an asset manager and you're you're putting money into, say, South America, and there's plenty of asset managers out there that have got a mandate whereby they have to invest into certain you know, countries, sectors, and so on and so forth. If you are in that bucket where you're a, um, a South American or even emerging market type of um, investor, and you've got your allocations towards South America, easily the biggest market is Brazil. So you have Brazil, basically there's Brazil, Argentina, and Chile. Chile had gone left already, so capital had already begun fleeing. Brazil was teetering. It was like, oh, we don't know really what... No, there was a whole lot of uncertainty. Argentina was just sitting there, and Argentina was the same as it had always been. So on a relative basis, we felt like Argentina had a certain level of upside purely as a consequence of capital flows that could come out of Argentina. Sorry, out of Brazil. Out of, out of Brazil. We're out of Brazil. So that was what got us interested. And we said, okay, well, let's let's make this a fairly small allocation. And um, and and there is certainly, certainly asymmetry. So let's go into it. Subsequent to that, as things have transpired, obviously we watched the politics and everything else. Um, then the, I think we, we began to realize that the markets were indicating something other than purely just the Brazilian um, dynamic that was in play because the, that, that played out. Um, markets calmed out a lot, and Argentina for um, for the year 2022 was our, together with offshore um, drillers, was our best performing sector within our our, um, our portfolio. Mm. Um, and by the way, in, in dollar terms, in dollar terms, yeah. And by the way, when we were doing it, we had some um, some clients for our asset management business that are Argentinians, and they were going, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Almost everybody was telling us, this is nuts. We think this is crazy. What are you doing? We said, just calm down. It's like 5% waiting, chill. And and um, and then, of course, that was easily our standout um, best sector for the year. Subsequent to that, we've had a little bit of pullback. And then, of course, now the elections that have just transpired this week and everything's up. I mean, I think our positions are up about 30%. Um, I haven't looked this morning when I've woken up because it's, Six o'clock in the morning for me, so I haven't checked. But um, they've, they've certainly moved down. They've moved on the back of now um, a realization that whatever is coming in Argentina is highly unlikely to be what has existed in the past. So, on that note, so you've you, you've done very very well, not just in the last week, but over the last couple of years. When I look at the elections, I, I listen to what the guy is saying. And obviously, it, it all sounds great to me as a libertarian. You know, get the, the the currency out of the control of the government, get rid of the central bank, reduce the size of government. All this sounds good long term. Then I look at if you were to implement those strategies over the short term, there may be some serious economic pain. Like the example I used in a whiteboard video today was uh, comparing the United States today with the United States back in the late 1800s, where in the 1800s, government spending as a percent of GDP was 5%, and now, let's just say it's 50% when you include state, local, federal. So if you were to slash the spending, government spending in the United States, I would be all for that. 
but people would have to realize that GDP over the next year or two is going to take a massive, massive hit before you can go ahead and kind of build up from that base. And then in five years, 10 years, you'll be far, far better off. But do, do you see it playing out that way? Or do you, I don't know the political environment. I don't know the political structure in Argentina. So I don't know if he's going to be able to even implement any of these objectives that he campaigned on, or if he's just going to keep hitting dead ends. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the big that's the big question. The big question is, is he going to be a um, uh, a Maloney 2.0? So when Maloney got put into power in Italy, she was talking about similar things to which Mila is talking about. Oh, yeah. right. And she's a complete lame duck. You know, nothing has been done. Now, part of that, you could argue, is, is as a consequence of the political structure, as you alluded to, whereby they can't necessarily get something done. Now, and look, we're very, in the political world, we're very familiar with politicians who come out and say certain things on the campaign trail, and then they don't actually ever manage. <laughs> very unlike a politician, right, Chris? I think, I think in most instances, that's that's the case um, of them simply having no desire in the first instance to implement what they what they've talked about. I think it's different with Melee. Um, time will tell. But the... Um, to your point of GDP, I think GDP is a shitty method of of kind of measuring something for that very reason that GDP includes your government spending. And you go, where does government spending come from? It comes from two factors. It either comes from taxation, which is a net drain on society, or it comes from um, deficit spending and, and basically debt. That in itself is a drain on society. So um, I think in an environment, if, if you were to do it in... in United States or some of these places, I think it would have a greater impact than it does or will do on Argentina. And I say that simply because the credit markets in Argentina are completely broken. Mm. They're only accessible at a, at, a, at, a, at a government level because the government and the government's actually not even taking them on in a commercial sense in that they're getting loans from the IMF who have zero interest in having them ever pay them back because it's simply a leverage, a political leverage tool utilized um, to subjugate countries, which is partly what Millet is has been talking about, saying we've got to get rid of all this garbage. At a, at a commercial level, in terms of industry, people aren't utilizing credit there. Why? Because interest rates are like... Abs- I, I was talking with a um, friend down there just recently. Um, if you're going to get mortgages, you're looking at like 80%. Like who's borrowing money at that? Like you're not going to borrow money. So as a consequence, your your private sector has already eliminated the whole credit component because they can't function on that. Where credit is utilized, it's often utilized more of it. And I saw that I've seen this in Turkey at a domestic level. In so far as if you're going to go and buy a house, you're going to borrow it from your auntie or your uncle, or it's so it becomes almost like a community. Um, familial type of structure, at least with um, credit for things like homes. So I would assume that you borrow dollars. I mean, I mean, if I'm uh, someone that's borrowing or lending, I guess not borrowing, but lending. You know, for if I'm the uncle and I'm lending to the kid, uh, I'm probably going to lend them dollars because I know that the seller is going to want those dollars. I mean, how much? I guess the question is, how much has the economy already dollarized? Exactly, and. You make a fantastic point here. 
what and and I've seen a bunch of commentary on on Twitter and things like this where people are saying, "Oh, Mila is just going to come out and he's going to take take this country, take Argentina, and basically put it in the hands of the Fed by because what? Okay, just in case people haven't haven't uh, don't know the backstory to this, one of the campaign um, messages that he's come out with is he said we are going to basically take the get rid of the local currency." destroy the central bank he doesn't want a central bank at all use the us dollar um and go forward from that point onwards now so there's uh, uh, some people are saying oh that's he's now just going to be a, a complete shill to the us and everything else no what he's actually said is that he doesn't believe there should be any currency he said the federal reserve is just as shitty as is, is, is a shitty institution he's just said that the Central bank in Argentina is even worse. And um, the country has already dollarized. Right? All you're doing is you're, you're removing friction. Anytime you remove friction, you get a net positive effect. Right. So where if you think like if you and I were working in Buenos Aires, what we would do on a month or say weekly, monthly basis, we'll earn in our pesos. We're gonna then go and convert that at the end of the week or at the end of the month or whatever the time frame is into something of more tangible value, typically dollars, if it, if we're looking for liquidity, maybe gold, um, maybe real estate, all sorts of other things, depending on how much money we've got. But the point is, we are just utilizing the peso because the government's forcing us to do so. And it is a friction because we're as soon as we're getting it, we're trying to offload it. And then we're offloading it at massive margins right because your central bank says oh the, the rate is x but the mar the free market's going no that's complete garbage the, the rate is x plus y and so now we have arbitrages who come in but they're always they're charging us you know to make that that transaction that's friction in the system that doesn't need to be there so Miller has come along and said why are we even pretending like we have well like let's just get rid of the friction and he's also said that there should be um, people should be free to choose whichever currency they want. He knows that they're going to use the dollar because he's not an idiot. He can look around him, and everybody's using the dollar anyway. Um, but his point is that the market should determine what the what money is. He's made that very very clear. So, as a consequence, now you have the bitcoiners who are all going mad, and they're going, "Hey, this is amazing." Argentina is going to become the biggest Bitcoin country in the world. Maybe it is, maybe it doesn't. doesn't really matter. We don't even need to determine what that is. We just need to let the market determine what the currency should be, and it will be fluid and it will be flexible and it will choose it. So I agree with him in that respect. But the point is, like, we're removing frictions from a system. I think that's highly productive. It's, it's very, very productive. It will also allow... It'll allow credit to come into the system. Credit's not coming into the system at the moment because it has to go through all these fucking gatekeepers. Yeah, um, who's who's going to lend it, right? Yeah, and who's going to borrow so, it at those interest rates, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. And you talk about frictions. I mean, one of the biggest frictions there would just be the fact that your inflation rate's one hundred and fifty percent. So that's a pretty big friction right there. And just think about the logistics. And just if you were a store owner and having to change your prices like twice a day, does that in and of itself, think about how much of a pain in the butt that would be and how much time you would have to allocate to figuring out how much 
you're going to raise the prices. I mean, what math do you use for that? I mean, literally like eight hours of your day as a business owner would be, would revolve around just figuring out what price to charge and then how to get that money to the bank and how to turn that money into dollars. I mean, it's like a full-time job in and of itself. You think about an average business, um, an average business that is a profitable business and does okay, it runs on about a 30% margin. Okay. Your 30% margin can swing by half purely as a consequence of, of your FX rate or your, or your inflation. Yeah. So how many businesses have been put out of business, not because they're not good shoemakers or candle makers or whatever it is that they're doing, but simply because they've had been unable to manage that volatility of foreign exchange risk and, and inflation. Yeah. We don't know, but it's, it's significant. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. I'm just using Turkey as an example because I haven't been to Argentina lately, but I have been to Turkey this year. And it's just the bottom line is what people do there and the businesses that survive is 90% of the transactions are settled in dollars. I mean, <laughs> even the, the, the gal that I hired uh, from the hotel to give me like a private tour of the, 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 the mosques and whatnot, uh, she's, I just paid her in dollars and her prices, her hourly rate was in dollars. And yeah. so, you know, to your earlier point, it's the, the, the pretty much the average Joes and Janes have already done this but you're just eliminating the additional headache that they do have by having to deal at all with the Argentinian peso. And then what you're doing is you're just constraining the government and you're eliminating that uh, inflation that some people had to deal with. I think I think that I think it's hard to actually conceive of how beneficial this can be because it's a flow through in the economy, right? It's 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 one business that has the ability to now manage that um, that inflation risk. But it's all of their suppliers. It's all of the producers. It's like it's the entire daisy chain. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting exercise. Um, it certainly needs to be done. So I'm I'm all for it. Um, what I think, and and we put out a video about this um, on the 22nd, actually, just I think it was 22nd of last month. Anyway, um, I think we are likely to see a couple of things. The mainstream media is going to lose their minds. So we're going to see an incredibly, we're going to see a barrage of ne negative um, media towards Argentina, towards the presidency, towards the economy, et cetera, et cetera. And at the same time, we're going to have this 
we will have real GDP contraction, right? If he does what he suggested he's going to do. And look, I don't think he's going to be able to do it on day one. Um, but he's going to eliminate entire swathes of the bureaucracy. Just just wipe them out. That's what he's promised. Again, time will tell whether that takes place or not. But if he does, certainly we're going to see a contraction in GDP. Um, and there will be huge amounts of, of mainstream mess. I think most of this is going to be very much narrative build um, around... I'll look at these numbers and there will be, you know, what's that saying you're going to lie with statistics? We'll see all sorts of statistics coming out saying, look how bad it is. Much of those will be somewhat correct. The best way to lie is with a hint of truth. So they'll utilize a lot of things like GDP contraction and they'll, they'll you know, they'll say, oh, this sector, yeah, no, no longer has funding and, and the education system. And they'll sell it as to this is why you need government. You see what happens yeah. when you get rid of government? See, I told you, Chris, unemployment rate goes up, GDP goes down. So the answer is just more government. We'd have economic boom. That's the that's the narrative spin. So I think we're probably going to see six to eight weeks of chaos. Um, I'm I'm kind of hopeful that we'd get that because I'd like to get another crack at the uh, <laughs> at buying up some cheap cheaper assets. Um, maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but certainly, if 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 he does even half of what he suggests he's going to do, this is going to be um, one could hope a a template for the rest of the world that can look at it and say, you know what, this is what we need. Because it's interesting, Argentina since the Peronists came in, who destroyed that place, and that was what nineteen forty six, I think it was. Um, Juan Perón got in. And ever since then, it's just been like this downhill slide. Um, and so, you know, for years you look at this and you think, what is wrong with people? Like, why do they keep voting in these socialists? What on earth is wrong with them? And they just keep doing it year after year. And now, of course, not only have they not voted it in, voted in the socialists, but Millet won with like, he, he cleaned up. It was like 56%. Yeah, it was it was, a, it, was a it was a resounding vote for the policies that he has been suggesting, and it's not like he's been mild about it. It's not like he's sort of said, oh well, we're going to get rid of a bit of socialism. No, he's like, well, no, we're torching the lot. Yeah, no, he was campaigning with a chainsaw. Exactly. Red, did you see that? Yeah, just, just <laughs> say you know, imply how he wants to cut government spending. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a lot of clips out there where he's, um, there's one where he's got a there's got a, a whiteboard up and it's got all of the various government departments, and he's just grabbing them and just throwing them. He's going out, out, out. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, I would not want to be a bureaucrat in Argentina right now because, um, yeah, you, you you need to go and be productive and find a job um, or or create something um, because they're all gone. Well, we could hope. So um, I think that, again, when I think about this, it's a matter of actually taking away friction. So they're in the process of taking away friction. Certainly, I think there's going to be a lot of upheaval. There'll be angry people. There's going to be a huge media drive. The media hates them. Um, and it's interesting. This um, I was talking with a gent down there, and he said, you know, in Buenos Aires, and this is just a few weeks prior to the election, there were big billboards up and everything around um, 
the elections, but almost nothing for Milei. His campaign budget was very small. Mm. His campaign budget was very small. And so visibly, it didn't even look like he had a chance. Um, but where he has succeeded largely is also on social media. So you could argue that his chainsawing, wielding antics, um, going viral and things like that, were also partly a strategy that were, that were you know, um, it wasn't, yeah. You had to create content for memes and whatnot. Exactly. Um, and certainly I think he's done, well, to some extent he did what Trump did, right? Trump didn't have the same budget as the Clintons did. Um, but he utilized Twitter, remember, you know, dramatically going into the 16 elections. And to some extent, we've seen a similar dynamic to playing out in Argentina, where it's been social media that has been driving a lot of the... And look, you walk around the streets. Do people like stare at billboards? No, they're like this. They're walking like this anyway. Yeah, right. So, um, but the point is there's been a resounding... Um, endorsement of his policies and um and so i think he's um if he can if he can do even half of what he suggests he's going to do it's going to be really interesting at the same time also there's as you've seen chile went left um brazil is somewhat left now um in south america you've seen increasingly countries going even where you are in colombia went left now it's sort of a wishy-washy left to some extent but um this is a hard swing the other way and um and so i wonder if it's if if in part a lot of the destruction of of wealth that we've seen over the course of the last decade in places like chile um certainly in venezuela um, and the and the refugees, for example, that that flee these places. Not that there's refugees fleeing fleeing Chile, but there are certainly a lot of people now with more economic hardship in Chile than there were in the past. Um, I, I wonder if a lot of that's waking up um, the the region to some extent to the realities of socialism. Yeah, have you been following politics here at all in Colombia? I have a little bit, as well as in, um, I'm trying to think now. Um, so they just one? recently had local elections. And uh, what, nine months ago or so, you know, they, they elected uh, Petro, this uh, crazy socialist guy who was mm. buddies with, or was buddies with Chavez and buddies with Madero yeah. and Correa and all those knuckleheads. And, um, you know, everyone was very, very concerned, but we just had local elections like, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And I, I don't know what happened in other areas, but here in Medellin, they went hard, right? <laughs> they went hard, right? Uh, because Petro has pissed off a lot of people just in the short time that he's been president and he's pissed off so many people that to your point now that they're just going the complete opposite direction. And, you know, the president here had been right-leaning for decades, uh, something like 40, 50 years, something like that, long, long time. And so then they kind of went left with Petro, and now just after about nine months, they're going, they're going straight back in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, actually, that, that narrative of right and left you know, like I'm seeing the mainstream media down in Argentina go, and, and I think it was Bloomberg ran an article and Reuters ran one, 
saying, you know, a hard right wing um, guy has just been elected to president. I was like, he's not even right wing. He's libertarian. That's yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they always do that, Chris. I follow the news so much on this channel. And what I've noticed is when a socialist gets elected, the mainstream media will never say they're hard left. Never. Yeah. Or far left. They'll never say far left guy got elected. But if someone's just kind of moderate, they'll say that they're far right, far right, implying that they're somehow, you know, close to being a Nazi or something like that, where you could have some guy that is literally a communist and they'll just say he's he's on the left. They'll never ever say far left. Yeah. 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 I would I'm hopeful that that Mile is more like a Bukele, right? Um and certainly what he's done in El Salvador has been phenomenal. Um both in terms of cleaning up the gangs, economic progress, you name it. He's you know I mean, it's just it's a, such a tiny country, most people don't even know about it. But it was and it was coming off of a very, very low base. Um, but to some extent, Argentina is similar. It's coming off a very low base. <clears throat> it just has much, much more resources. It's a much, much bigger market. It's a much bigger economy. Um, but certainly ideologically, I think though, if we're going to say what's in store for Argentina, I think I'm cautiously optimistic that it's going to be something like El Salvador, um, as opposed to what um you know when the hard right maloney got into power in italy and again um you know the, the the problem with anything in europe is that no matter who gets in power there if you're utilizing the euro you've lost control of your monetary system and so they you know brussels uses that as a weapon against anybody who decides to any recalcitrants who step out of line they just cut off liquidity into your banking system and so it's very, very difficult for any politician to actually implement anything of meaningful change in, a, in, in, in that structure because they know, especially in a democracy, that if they, if they reduced that risk or eliminated, eliminated it, um, then there'd probably be a color revolution um, or the austerity that would be brought because the um, cutting off of the liquidity in the banking system would probably bring about um you know uh, rioting in the streets and things like that it's just it's 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 almost like there's too it's too difficult to change things now now that their entire monetary system is is run by brussels argentina doesn't have the same issue it has similar issues with respect to debt to the imf and everything else um but look the way to the, the way to pay back that debt it's quite simple eliminate all the friction get rid of all of the waste get rid of all the friction which is what they promised to do. I think he's he suggested he's going to eliminate fifty percent of the government this year, fifty percent next year, and on and on until as near as near as zero as as, as possible. Um, but yeah, and- I, I was thinking that through, Chris, and like in the United States, what really impacts the amount of money going to the government is capital gains. It's the stock market. It's assets. Right. So I don't know what the structure looks like in Argentina, but let's just assume that it's relatively the same where uh, 60 or 70% of the money that's coming into the federal government 
as a result of capital gains, if they just kept their capital gains tax the same, didn't touch anything. Right. And even if the economy did go down temporarily and it kind of slumped, but just because of these policies that he's implementing, I would assume you'd have massive capital going into Argentina, to your point, which would raise asset prices such as the stock market. And, and in turn, they might not even take a big hit to their tax revenue, even if their overall economy was declining for, let's say, a year or two, because the assets would offset that. Do you, do you think that's a decent argument? Yeah, you bring up a good point. And the point is that looking at something isolated domestically, you can come to a certain conclusion, but nothing happens in a power vacuum. So just as I mentioned, the fact that we got interested in Argentina, partly as a consequence of what was happening in Brazil, right? It was like, so So you, for example, you could have been looking at Brazil and going, oh, got elections coming up and um, it's a bit contentious. People are really upset. Uh, what's going to happen? There was a, you know, there was even talk that the military were going to take over at one point and it was all... You could have looked at that and said, oh, do we, are we short? Are we long Brazil? No. Step back and go, okay, if there's capital that's invested there, where else can it go? Yeah, you got to look at the knock-on effects. That's so, right. so you can only look at the knock-on effect, and the knock-on effect was was Argentina. Now, when you look at the, again, when you look at it like this, you go, what's the knock-on effect? Where else, George, in the Southern Hemisphere, can you reasonably invest with a dynamic which... You could flip a coin, say 50% chance it, it doesn't work, 50% chance it works. But if it works, you get like a 5x return. If it doesn't work, you get a zero. It's still not a terrible bet, depending on your your your, your weighting of your positioning in, in your portfolio, right? You can put 5% into something. If it goes to zero, it goes to zero. But if it goes up five times, that's still not a terrible bet if it's a 50-50 uh, probability. So, right, you know, on a broader scale, you go, where else can you invest? Like you've got, fine, you can go to, you know, if you're looking at the Americas, you can go into Canada and you can go into um, America, North America. What do the valuations look like on a comp comparative basis? They're wildly different. And then, of course, you've got elect elections coming up next year in in, um, in the US. So that's going to be, markets don't like uncertainty and we've got a whole lot of uncertainty coming over the next, over the course of the next what twelve months, then you go down to South America. What else you got? You got in terms of large economies, you got Mexico. Mexico is nowhere near as cheap, but you could argue, okay, maybe Mexico is all right. What else? Brazil, Chile. That's pretty much it. There's nowhere else. Everything else is too small. Colombia is too small. Ecuador is too small. Not there's nothing in Latin America that's that's got any real size. Um, what are you going to invest into? And so when you're looking at it from that dynamic. Argentina again starts looking more and more attractive. Right. So, so I think, and then if you see some of these policies like we've just discussed being implemented, I think it's reasonable to expect risk capital to look for something like that. Think of, like when I used to live in the private equity world, you would look for a dynamic in a market that was that had that asymmetry to it. Because you're a risk taker. That's what you are as a private equity or, or certainly venture capital. So you're an important portion of capital, certainly within the emerging market world, that says, okay, we need an allocation to Argentina. 
And I think that that percentage of capital um, is going to be A, greater than it was in the past, and B, I also think that the weightings are going to change. Yeah. So is this a lot, what's your time horizon on this, on this play? You know, is it something where you're looking at it for the next, uh, holding your position or maybe adding to your position for the next three years, or is it more like a 10 year time horizon? Yeah. So I, like I said, I alluded to before, I think there's a possibility we get a lot of, um, we get a lot of narrative out of the mainstream media that's extremely negative. I expect huge volatility. I mean, the markets literally yesterday morning they woke up and they were up, depending on the on. Uh, I think YPF was up about seventeen percent, something like that. Um, that's not that's not normal. You're not going to have that taking place all the time. So we're going to have a lot of volatility. Um, yeah, I'm just looking. Yeah, yeah. So YPF, okay, YPF was up forty one percent. What is YPF, Chris? It's the oh. <laughs> It's a state-owned oil, well, quasi-state-owned oil company, which Melee has promised to um, privatize. privatize. Um, anyway, so my time frame on this is probably multi-year. That being said, I like to always let a market tell me where I should be as opposed to trying to have... If you, if you get these fixed mindsets and say, I'm going to be in this for two years, or I'm going to be in this for five years, Sometimes as things come along, which you are no longer perceptive to because you've already set in stone, oh, I'm in this for two years. Um, that being said, it's, it's, I'm, not, I'm not trading. I'm not trying to you know, dive in and out of this every five minutes. And it's, it's not like that. I'm trying not to take that approach. Um, so it's probably a multi-year time frame. That being said, I'm going to let the markets tell me, look, if we start seeing valuations, which are similar to, I don't know, developed markets, then I'll certainly be taking money off the table. Right, right. Because it is still Argentina. <laughs> yeah, and are you f- trying to focus on individual companies that might not have as much exposure to the domestic economy and maybe more exposure to something that you're longer-term bullish on, say commodities? I mean, you use the example of that oil company. But is yeah. that kind of part of your strategy as well? Yeah. Look, first and foremost, we tend to be very sector-focused, right? Um, we'll look at geopolitics and look at countries. But by and large, I'm interested in certain sectors. So YPF is, is an energy company. company. Um, that's yeah. why we're interested in it. So like I'm not running out and buying banks, for example. Although the banks are, a, well, we've got, I'm like, we have one bank with a very small weighting in it. Um but by and large, I'm after the same sectors that we are traditionally invested into in in, a, in, in everything else. So it's energy, it's um, agriculture is actually a good one because Argentina is um, it's, it should be one of the massive powerhouses in the world of agricultural production, and it is, but nowhere near what it should be. Right. Uh, so agriculture, energy, those are the main the main sectors that we've been invested into hmm. there's other things like some manufacturing and things like that but by and large those are the yeah yeah so what would uh, other than higher valuations what would prompt you to kind of hit the eject button um what would what would uh make you 
look at your thesis, your bullish thesis, and say, you know what, I'm wrong. Now it's it, it, it's time to uh, it's time to get out. I think. It, well, firstly, I think it's probable that we don't see the kind of what what Milek what he said on his campaign trail and what he promised or what he suggested he's going to do. I think it's reasonable to expect that not all of that gets implemented as fast as he might want. I think he's genuine in, in his desire to do it, but the ability to do something is often much more um, much more difficult. So I think we could quite easily see um, we could quite easily see a a much slower process than most people are thinking, um, and in that, I think markets can get ahead of where things actually are. And in that environment, then I'll probably look to taking some money off the table. Um, in terms of looking at something and saying my thesis is wrong, well, that's basically if Milo comes out and he turns out to be a Maloney and he doesn't do anything, right, central right, bank is right. there, the bureaucracies are still there, and um, and he turns up to Davos um, and um, and is the lead speaker. Then, <laughs> right, we we were ahead. He starts taking selfies with Klaus Schwab. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. All right, buddy. For those who want to find out more about what you do, where can they go check it out? Um, so we write a financial news publication, which you can find over at Capitalist Exploits. Um, so that's just www.capitalistexploits.at, A for Apple, T for tomato, and... For those people who wish to have, wish to look at our asset management business, it is glenorkeycapital.net. Yeah. And and we just found out about, well, about 30 seconds before we went live, uh, that Chris is going to be at Rebel Capitalist Live. Uh, I hadn't talked to him about it before, but I said, hey, you want to come? He's like, sure. <laughs> so Chris is is our newest addition to the speaker list at Rebel Capitalist Live. Uh, you can get your tickets at rebelcapitalistlive.com. And between, uh, we got a Thanksgiving special, Chris. We didn't even know that. But yeah, if you go there right now, uh, between yesterday and Friday, uh, Gene, my digital marketing guy, is offering like $100 off. And so you get your early bird tickets, and that ends Friday. So if you want to see Chris live speaking, along with Jeff Snyder, Mike Green, and a whole bunch of other awesome people. You can get your tickets at rebelcapitalslive.com. All right, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you soon. We'll do. Take care.